Alrighty, welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Man of Steel one individual minute at a time. My name is Mark, you can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan, you can catch me on that social media game as well, at NoClutchNate, as well as my Instagram, ClutchFigures. And I'm Sam, you can find me on Twitter at OttenSam. I'm the co-host and co-writer of the Justice League Universe podcast. And you can also find my blog at comicandscreen.blogspot.com. I have some extra articles and blog posts and stuff beyond just my Justice League Universe analysis there. So if you're curious about some box office graphs or some critic reviews, reactions, and stuff like that, um, I throw a lot of different things on comic and screen. So see people there too, but I'm very happy to be here to talk about Man of Steel. Absolutely. Hell yeah. I'm glad to have you back. <laughs> Today on Man of Steel Minute, we we're talking about Minute 49, and it starts with Jor-El telling Clark, or Cal, that you can embody the best of both worlds. And then the minute ends with Cal leaving the Fortress of Solitude, donning his Superman suit. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very so good shot at the end It's a big there. moment. Yeah. It's a big, uh, we've come this far in the film to see this, and... Uh, this is a, a very iconic moment. Mm-hmm. Um, he says you can embody the best the best of both worlds. Um, what are the best of both worlds? <laughs> you got me, man. <laughs> Seems like we've been dogging <laughs> on both planets. Yeah. Um, and, jo- and Jor-El doesn't really know that much about Earth, so he's just assuming that there must be some redeeming features of like humanity and stuff, and that hopefully Cal will find those and take those up. So it's kind of like he's just putting faith in Kal-El to know how to do this, like to bridge the both worlds. Yeah, I guess if he's gotten this far in his life, you know, being raised by the parents that he had and, and being able to find out, you know, the scout ship and all these things and able to access his uh, uh, the key, what, command key and all the that stuff, key, yeah. he kind of already, like the AI is already saying, okay, there is good to this world. Versus where you I, take it uh, on the Elseworld side of it in the Flashpoint universe, where you know he that version of Superman is caged, and it seems like mm-hmm. there is no good to humanity nor any species, and Atlantean, Amazonian, in that kind of universe. So it seems like if he's gotten this far, there is some sort of redeeming quality in humanity. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna it's I'm gonna skip it a little bit because I know we're about to get the revelation of his Superman suit. Um, and I do want to talk a lot about the suit, but I want to stay in tangent with this whole best of both worlds, like what Cal mm-hmm. can bring to the world. And so Joel shows him the symbol of the house of L. Yeah. Says this is the, on our planet, like this means hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what you can bring to this planet. Um, the fundamental belief, uh, the potential to be a force for good. Uh, this is what you can bring to them. Yeah. This is what I think this uh, begins to skew in our pers- our pers- uh, perspective, uh, if you will, from last minute, where we talked about choice might actually be the key uh, key word here rather than hope. Yeah. Uh, when he says this is what you can bring to them, what we take it as, or what we have always been taking it as, is the key word is hope, or you can bring them hope. Yeah. Where the key word should be can oh yeah so you can you can bring them you can yeah. save her you can do this yeah, yeah you can you can do this you can do that uh but we're always fixated on what the verb is or what, what you, the symbol is supposed yeah, to be what you're actually or the direct object mm-hmm. what you can bring to the them. noun yeah 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 and he says to like avoid the same mistakes right so that's one thing that he can bring to earth as well is like uh kal can bring 
a knowledge of how Krypton failed, right? Because he just got told the story mm-hmm. from Jarrell's perspective of here's where Krypton went wrong. So now you can help Earth avoid those mistakes. And yeah. so to me, that is kind of bridging the worlds, right? Like learn from Krypton and now try to help Earth not do that. But you're bringing free will where you can do it and other people can do it. And he says, like, you know, that everyone can be a force for good. So it's kind of like you're in a world that still has free will and they can all use this for everybody to become like the hero, the force for good. And so like this is Jor-El saying it, Superman is embodying it. And I think it even feeds through to Dawn of Justice Mm -hmm. uh, where Dawn of Justice ends with this monument, you know, look about you, right? Everybody, Everybody is now inspired by and they can take up the mantle of Superman. So at the end of Dawn of Justice, that's really Jor-El's like dream here coming true but we have to wait like a movie and a half to kind of see it all happen yeah and also in that movie we get the great martha kenton line where she says or do none of it you don't owe this world Mm -hmm. a thing either monument and i know a lot of people got mad at that because they were like no that's what he's supposed to do and that's your problem is that you think he does owe the world that duty yeah but he, which he doesn't have he, to. he, doesn't he have still to do has that. he was raised as a human he was raised in america he was raised by these amazing parents that were able to give him the free choice he does it because he wants to but he doesn't do it because, because he, he has, has to. to yeah mm-hmm. absolutely must there be a superman yeah and so then but then i mean to connect back to hope so i mean hope is still important um but the where does the hope come from the hope comes from the fact that Earth still has free will and they can still be inspired to actually become a force for good themselves uh, and avoid the mistakes of Krypton. So it's like, then that actually is hopeful. Like, there is hope there, but the ingredient that you need to for the hope to work is you need that free will and you need Clark to kind of set the example for other people to then exercise their free will. I think it's hope, or uh, I'm sorry, what Cal gives people hope, like... His influence, uh, we see it in the sequel in, in Donald Justice. You know, Batman says men are still good. He didn't believe that, in my opinion, throughout the film. Oh, no. It wasn't until all. Superman sacrificed that Bruce was mm-hmm. like, men are still good. And it's because oh, yeah. of people like Superman who have brought hope back to us. No, yeah, before that, Bruce was saying people turn bad. <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah. look how, look at everybody turns bad, right? And then Superman is also kind of wondering that. But Superman centers himself, finds Lois, finds his, like, heart and core, makes his choice to sacrifice himself. And then Batman also comes around to being like, oh, wait, yeah, I see it now. Men are still good. I can still see the hope to try to, you know, go forward. So, yeah, I think it all, I mean, the, to me, the two, we're, you know, focusing on Man of Steel here, but... The two movies together are an amazing pair of movies in my mind. Like mm-hmm. the thematic development, the connections across them, where it goes and where it takes you, like through both of them. Uh, I don't know of another pair of movies that are like that good in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I honestly, I was telling Mark, I think like last week I was telling him about this. Um, like I, I have all the faith for the for this DC Cinematic Universe, but if all else fails, if if it isn't as what I imagine it to be, at least we have these two movies that interlock mm-hmm. with each other. And the message that mm-hmm. the two movies convey are it's so far beyond what comic book fans are ready to accept. And and we have these now. They're set in stone. You can go mm-hmm. back to them whenever you want. And I think they will shine a light on these two movies themselves uh, later on down the road. And I don't think it's just those two films because once, even though Wonder Woman's not out yet, we still know that there was a downfall to Wonder Woman and then Donna Justice also gives yeah. her hope. 
So that, I think that will be a third film that will lock in to Donna Justice and we'll go, wow, mm-hmm. we get to see a, an arc finish. Well, we've seen an arc right. finish, but we didn't get to see it start. Oh, yeah. No, like I, a, think, I think Wonder Woman will tie in because right, this minute, right, he says the best of both worlds. And so you're asking, like, what is the best of Earth? In Wonder Woman, we're going to see the worst of Earth, yeah. right? We're going to see World War One. We're going to see people with, like, new weapons slaughtering each other in new horrible ways and chemical weapons and stuff. So that's the worst of Earth. Um, but to me, it does make it thematically tie in, right? Because we have the Batman v Superman, like where it resolves and where there is the inspiration and the monument around and everybody is kind of inspired by that selfless sacrifice. So yeah, I agree. Like, at least I have high hopes that Wonder Woman is also going to tie in and then hopefully Justice League um, continues on in some of these ideas. So at the very least, like Nathan is saying, I'm thinking at the very least we're going to have four movies that make a pretty amazing set. Yeah. And then e- even in worst case scenario, we have Man of Steel and BVS. Yeah, so absolutely. Even if, even if these two ones are like not as good as I'm hoping in 2017, we still do, like you said, we have the first two. It's I, a good thought. It's, yeah. it's a comforting <laughs> thought. At the same time, it's, it's almost a little scary. <laughs> we'll see. It's scary for the universe that I care so deeply about. But mm-hmm. I'm again. I'm I'm in it for the long haul. I have, I have hope for everything. <laughs> exactly. Zing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about this suit. Okay. We, you want to go to the suit? We All are right. shown the Superman suit. This is a uh, very important part of Superman. It mm-hmm. must always be in there, right? Yes. Uh, do you mm-hmm. like this suit? I love it. It's a callback to what is it? Abrams flyby. Uh, uh, illustration. J.J. Abrams wanted to do a Superman movie after the whole um, Superman Lives. Superman Lives went went down, and Abrams came out with a script, and it was Superman Flyby, and he had the it's notion. Terrible name. Yeah, he had the notion to <laughs> to follow what um, uh, Tim Burton was doing with the suit, and to take away the red underpants, and to make it like this skin tight battle armor esque kind of under underlying suit. Um, so the, the, the old, um, illustrations of, of the flyby suit are a lot like how, um, his Dawn of Justice suit is, which is, you know, of course a play off of this suit, but yeah, like it's, it's a really good, I love this suit. Um, I can't, I can't decide yet if my favorite suit is from the new 52 version of of Jim mm-hmm. Lee and and even Aaron Cruder's uh, action comics I really like that that version of them but the collar was a real big played into played into the aspect of, the of my favorites collar? yeah like That's... it was really good but then again the more I watch these movies the more I love this incarnation of Superman and it goes tandem with his suit yeah I'm a huge fan of the new 52 uh when it first came out, the Superman suit because of the Mandarin collar, I, I think it's just a nice touch. And it was uh, good, and and the, the whole the idea behind it being um, like armor. It wasn't like a skin tight suit. It was it was plates that that formed, and it it kind of it was like a I don't even know what you call it. Not even a grid, but it was it plated. Was plated, yeah. Separation it was, of yeah, plates. Yeah, and stuff it was like that. it was good. I liked it. I really liked that version. I'm. So I think it was, again, one of the reasons why growing up as a kid I didn't care for the character because he looked like he was in pajamas. I mean, at least Batman had a cape and a really cool mask. This guy was just flying around pajamas. Utility belt and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like this is I, – I still haven't decided if this suit or of New 52 is my favorite, but I, I'm almost leaning towards this one. It's a really nice suit. Mm-hmm. I dig it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I like this suit in the movie a lot. I think it works well on camera, uh, which that's the thing that's tricky is like people sometimes in their mind think, oh, that suit looks great in that illustration or whatever. But when you go to film it in different lighting and all this different stuff or you get close-ups on it, uh, it doesn't always work. But this one works in close-up, it works in medium, it works in action, uh, it moves with him. Like, I was just really impressed that they could even do this. Um, I like it a lot. I like the chainmail kind of extraterrestrial sort of feel to it. Like, it's it's not a recognizable fabric, you know? It's like, oh, that kind of seems otherworldly. I thought that was cool. I liked getting rid of the trunks. Like, I... I like I also like the new 52 suit part of the reason um, for what you said I liked the collar as well and I liked the going to the belt um, and I think I'm going to like this new rebirth suit when they get the red boots and then a belt mm -hmm. and then um, how they have it I think pretty good too but yeah this one is great and I also like the S shield on this yes. um, because at first I was like oh it's like clearly the Superman S shield but it was like it was not like any of the previous ones that I had seen it has a little bit of a different flair to it a different kind of curve to mm -hmm. it um, and so I liked that as well and it really matches the like glyph system that they made for Absolutely. the movie um, so I I just reacted pretty positively to it when I first saw it and then when I saw how it works in the movie and all the different shots and stuff um, I think it looks a little bit better even in Batman v Superman, but this one started it off really yeah, well. Yeah, of course. Um, this is a, a difference in like this first sight that we see. Of course, you have to make it the whole red and blue color scheme and everything, but uh, in, in previous minutes and in previous Kryptonian culture and everything, especially later on when there's that whole Zod dream sequence, and then again when Zod takes his armor off, it looks like a lot of the Kryptonian undersuits are, are, are black and gray, so why does this suit have a different color to it? Um, I think this one's just more ceremonial. That's what I was going to go back, which is a call to All-Star Superman when he, you know, he comes out in the big flashy garb and he's like this is a, you know, a Kryptonian ceremonial gown, which I think it is, but also you have to think um well, kind of going back, you can go back into set pictures and see when Jor-El gets back to the Citadel and he changes his clothes from the black bodysuit, um, there's colorized set photos of his undersuit that you can see is colored blue. So it's almost like the House of mm. L does have these these color this color tone to it. But then it contradicts itself if you go to the prequel comic where Kara doesn't have a blue bodysuit. Hers is black and gray. And it's almost like the discoloration of the, the filter that they were using for the movie um, could have played into to factor... But I don't think so. Was um, there other L members on the scout ship then? Because that's a dude suit. Right? I can't remember. See, now you have to get into this thing. Why is this suit here? <laughs> and there's a lot of arguments on the internet mm -hmm. that go back into this. Is mm -hmm. this suit 20,000 years old? Because it's it, it was there mm -hmm. first when Kara was there. Um, are these pajamas are these ceremonial are they it's chainmail yeah it's, exactly it's like... so like what what is it is this suit as old as it is or once cal uploaded the ai of jor-el did he start designing the suit and these are really big arguments that have yeah. been going on for years on the internet i think it, it, it's just like wearing under under armor it's it, which it's, is it, it's what it feel... should be it's yeah. it should be the what your mm -hmm. battle armor goes on top of which yeah. i would love yeah. to see cal in uh, a battle armor think... version yeah, I think it's definitely the Under Armour idea. And I think even in like the behind the scenes or one of the creators, you know, talked about how for them it was kind of like tongue in cheek because they took away Superman's underwear, like his trunks. Yeah. But they actually made the whole suit like the Under Armour. Mm -hmm. 
uh, that would be under your like you know like the stuff Jor-El wears when yeah. he's fighting Zod. Um, so it's kind of cool. Like it actually sort of he is wearing like Kryptonian underwear, sort of, um, but they've gotten rid of the trunks. Like our idea of the underwear. Yeah. But I think it still works because like Superman on Earth doesn't need the full Kryptonian armor anymore. He really just needs the chainmail, and that's enough. Yeah. And then you can get into the argument of why have the uh, addition of a cape. I mean, we go into well, there, where, there, it, where it helps him fly, it helps him change course and all these things. It stabilizes him as he's as he's flying in previous incarnations of the character. Um, but then Kara didn't have a cape. Zod doesn't well, have that, a cape. No, they actually do. They're, they're a caped society, actually. Well, they have it on their armor. But again, their under armor, which is what this is, what we're supposed to think this is, that goes under the battle suit. No one had a cape under their armor it was always on top of their armor. right yeah it would attach to the armor itself yeah because zods catches on fire at one point he throws it off and so yada yada in, in ter- back to your question on like you know this could all be answered by like where did the suit come from and in my own mind it's always just been that the ship can fabricate things yeah and so that the ship fabricated it there on the spot and so it was to like his measurements yeah. and that for some reason, when it was fabricating that one, they're like, well, he doesn't need all the armor. He just needs this undersuit, and so we'll go ahead and put the cape onto that because it's just – it's being – I just viewed it as it was made there by the ship, and Jor-El's AI designed it and made it for him, like, on the spot. Yeah, it makes a lot it of – It doesn't seem yeah, like – that makes, And it's not that much of a stretch. Like, with the Geo – with all yeah. the liquid Geo technology, they can take this stuff that all of a sudden is like a 3D printer and comes out in all kinds of things. Well, yeah. So, like, they could – they could make a suit. Well, even with the Genesis Chamber, once new Kryptonians are born, they need to be clothed. They need they need to have right, right. They're not just oh, naked, you know. They 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 needed to. Yeah. They, there has to be. A lot of, yeah. There's a seamstress <laughs> computer in the ship. <laughs> yeah, one, yeah. Um, exactly. But then, like, there's always the argument of if that suit was uh, twenty thousand years old or wh- whatever that time period was, why does it fit him? Well, then the yeah, AI. No, I, th- I, I think the AI, it like Jor-El's AI, created it. it created it as yeah. he was walking through. That's why he was mm-hmm. there. That's why he was, you know, it took him so long to show himself. He was studying him. He was he was walking with him. He was doing it. And then he gets to this point of the presentation. It's not like he just happened to turn a corner and, oh, by the mm-hmm. way, we got these Kryptonian gowns that are just on display here. Like, no, I'm presenting this to you much like how you would present it to a newborn Kryptonian. Mm-hmm. So that's not a closet. It's actually a printer. <laughs> probably it's done yeah. come yeah. to me to the printer station yeah. so yeah. i can show you what i just printed Here's it's not, i mean well i wonder if, <laughs> if if closet and printer mm-hmm. are the same thing because in the beginning on yeah. krypton we saw uh lara put his suit in that pod which looks a lot like this which that seems like okay she's putting it on display but no it's like she's putting it in the closet but is that where it can't be a closet came from those things can't be closets because they only hold one thing <laughs> It's like, yeah, you don't have a, a one object closet that defeats the purpose of a closet. Hey, I don't know how Kryptonians work. You never know. <laughs> yeah. like Maybe a, they only need one article of clothing. I don't know. Self-washing. Uh, but I do like it. I like the somewhat s- a belt in the suit. It's like yeah, you not get a belt, it. Yeah, you see it more in the second version like of the it. suit. I like the trim there. I like uh, yeah. Yeah. I will say no I, more. I also in this minute I like too that Jor-El has his on but you don't really draw attention to it at first Mm -hmm. but then you know he pulls it open he does kind of the chest reveal which is like a superman kind of thing yeah um so we get that moment we see that oh yeah this is a kryptonian kind of you know garment uh, so that connects him to krypton but then it's like this passing right from father to son like i have it on it's on my chest now here's yours you can like step out in it i think it's a cool moment yeah yeah it's a beautiful moment that when he does have the suit on and he walks out and like the doors open and 
the capes flowing music. and the music goes. Yeah. Music is starting because we're about to get into my favorite scene of the whole film. So it's mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, and it's, and it's yeah, I can say nothing else, but it's beautiful. Yeah, it's visually beautiful. It's a really good thing. Um, Did you guys watch the thesis on Man of Steel? Like, it's a YouTube video uh, where he talks about like uh, Krypton is the father of Superman, and it sends its sperm to Earth, and then its mother Earth, and that the two planets together like give birth to Superman. So, thesis on Man of Steel kind of argues all of this from like a thematic perspective. But one of the things that that video pointed out that I had never noticed was when he steps out of the door, the door like opens on his left is a destroyed orb that represents Krypton. And on, on the right side, not his, on our left, it's the destroyed Krypton planet. Mm -hmm. And on our, our right is another orb that's intact and that's earth. So he is literally like stepping out between Krypton and earth and like being born as like the child of both planets, just like Jor-El wants him to be. No, I never noticed that he's, he's bridging the gap and we see it visually. No, I never, I should look into that. We made fun of it a long time ago, but we, we did try to, see some anatomy uh, some anatomy in in krypton's <laughs> design and yeah if this is representational of a child being born i can definitely see it and that is a really solid thing to to form a thesis on so yeah yeah I'm, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll buy into that it mm-hmm. makes sense on a sim- symbolic level um right because he is leaving this fortress of solitude as a different person mm-hmm. or an idea and it, and they were just in the Genesis chamber, like right, like so. It's it's literally a place where children are born. Yeah. He's clothed, and he like walks out into the world, you know, as a new new version of himself. Huh. Well. So then Ooh. it goes back to saying. Clark was born first, and now we are seeing the birth of Cal El. Or was Cal El born first? Then he adopted the guise of Clark, and now we're seeing the birth of Superman. I don't know if I really Su- like to. Superman s- is the the both is the Clark meets the cow, and Superman is the the the, the hybrid the Venn diagram of it. Yeah, know. yeah. <laughs> okay, that's what I got out of it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I, don't <laughs> I could see, be wrong. I, I don't. I don't know if I really like to have the three character aspect of it. Um. I do like mm-hmm. having uh, Superman and, and Cal being one and the same where he gets fits of controversy through the guise of Clark Kent. Um, mm-hmm. But now now it's being more apparent to me that, that the, three, the three characters are certainly just a thing. Like, it has to be. There is not yeah. going to be, uh, you know, a fourth. There is not going to be... There can't be two. There has to be three to this character. Only two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So here he he just learned his name Cal L, and then within a couple minutes he is walking out like in the Superman suit. So I think you could try to make a case that like Cal L and Superman are basically just him like taking up the mantle and the goal that like Jor El had for him, and that Clark is like that was when he was living amongst humanity and he was forming his identity as a person and mm-hmm. stuff, you know. So. Yeah, for me, it's like you have to be flexible and kind of go from two to three or to like whatever. But I think you could make an argument for two, Clark and then Superman and Superman and Kal-El are kind of tied together. Or you could make an argument for three, like there's Kal-El, there's Clark and there's Superman. Yeah, maybe we won't even see this, you know, quote unquote Superman until 
Justice League comes out, and that's like yeah, when I think we that's what everyone. If that's the quintessential version of 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 the character we get, maybe that's what we should be calling. Yeah, maybe, but now, maybe that's who is. But Superman. now, if if we're all we're if, if we're on this boat of like this whole free will choice Superman, then we don't want to see that because then we're just. Then you're just destroying the character. Then we're what, just like bowing down yeah. to the will of people who wanted that Superman from Man of Steel from the beginning. Exactly. Like, That's what yeah. I said previously. I don't want to see a quintessential Superman. I want this conflicted Superman to stay, to always be in this universe. Yeah. Like this is my I favorite think, version. Yeah. he. I'm okay. I agree with you. And I'm okay if he becomes like a little bit more confident or a little bit more experienced or like he maybe is just a little bit more strategic in things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he still does need to keep the free will, right? Cause that is his whole, literally his whole origin here in this movie, I think is tied up in free will. So I don't want to put him into a complete box of like, Oh, it's always obvious what he should do. And he always does it and it works out. Um, so I don't want to go to the box, but I do think it's okay if he like returns in justice league and is maybe a little bit more like in command of things or he's he's able to like execute his free will more confidently or more you know uh yeah that's okay i think you can still have free will and be a little bit more confident or more sure of yourself yeah yeah he can't he can't abandon that quality because if he does then we're getting injustice uh superman or like you know, he'd be the like war, Soko- Justice League war. Sokova Accords, like sign this thing and like conform to the United Nations kind of thing. Like, yeah, we don't want that. We want, yeah. So I'll just leave that at that. That was my Avengers reference there, but <laughs> you, could, um, you couldn't even have the Avengers reference and just reference Frank Miller's Superman. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, Donna Justice really influenced the uh, Russo brothers to do Civil War. So, all right, there you go. Cool. Which, yeah. All right. Cool. Um, do we have anything else for this minute, though? Um, no, I do want to note that I think I'm pretty sure the first uh, explanation for the symbol of the House of El means hope, I'm pretty sure that was uh, set in birthright at first, which mm-hmm. I can't. I can't call back to any other earlier incarnation where the, the S actually stood for something other than just Superman. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think it wasn't birthright that they decided to dive into the more alien aspect and, and have, you know, it's not an S it's, it's a symbol, yada, yada. Um, mm-hmm. the, 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 the famous quote that Jor-El says, you know, the embodied within that, um, is actually one of, I even remember watching the movie the, the first time and thinking, wow, that's, that's one of the most powerful quotes I have ever heard in, in any movie ever explained to a protagonist character. Like that's. That's something that needs to hit so so hard with someone, especially like this ultimate protagonist that we're seeing. Again, it was just one of my favorite quotes. Yeah, I think uh, this scene, since the start of like the polar bears and then the panning up to like the scout ship, from that moment to the end of this scene where he like breaks through the sonic uh, sound barrier and like he's in orbit, and then you hear the lowest narration mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. This whole mm-hmm. bit. Is my favorite part of this movie. Yeah, it's definitely the mm. most iconic that you can mm-hmm. probably pull yeah. out from this movie. Um, yeah. But with that being said, Sam, did you have anything else for this minute? I just had one more quick thing. Um, so, like, we talked about Jor-El wanting him to be the best of both worlds, and we talked, like, that's visually emphasized with him coming out and stuff. Um, but to me, that's also an important way to interpret later things in the movie between Jor-El and Zod, because... Uh, a lot of people view the movie as like Earth versus Krypton, right? And like, mm-hmm. is is Superman going to pick Earth or is he going to pick Krypton? 
And that's actually, I think that's valid. That definitely is there in the movie. But I think what's even more at the heart of the movie is it's Zod's version of Krypton versus Jor-El's ver- vision or version of Krypton. Um, and that's really kind of what the decision is. Like, both Zod and Jor-El have a plan and a dream for, like, how to preserve Krypton. Jor-El wants to have the Codex with his son, and he wants to go and bring the best of Krypton and have it kind of integrate and work with, you know, this new world. Zod wants to go and just say, let's burn this down, let's terraform it, and let's reestablish, you know, Krypton as it was. And so to me, that's really kind of the choice. It's really like a choice of Zod's vision versus Jor-El's vision. And that is, to me, set up here where, like, this whole scene that we've been talking about uh, for the last few days is really about Jor-El laying out his vision. And then later we'll see Zod's vision and, you know, sinking skulls and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And, and to me, that's the main choice. Um, and then the kind of secondary thing for, like, Clark as, a, as an individual is, like, also his Earth side and his Earth connections versus, like, the possibility of a Kryptonian connection. Mm-hmm. I kind of think of it more as, like, Krypton is Earth than Krypton versus Earth um, because I think Earth is headed on the same path. So, like, Clark has... I think doesn't he use a line later like Krypton had its chance like yeah. why are you trying to make Earth Krypton <laughs> like yeah it's already on that path like let's make Earth something better than what it already is and better than what Krypton was so yeah and that you, it's great that you brought up that line because like the way that line is Krypton had its chance it it definitely kind of reinforces more like the Earth and we're gonna set a new direction for Earth kind of thing. Personally, I kind of wish that that line was like, you know, if he could have said, Zod, like, your vision of Krypton had its chance, which I know is very clunky. Mm-hmm. But, like, conceptually, I think that's really what he's saying. I think what he, what Superman is rejecting is he's rejecting Zod's plan for what he wants to do or how Zod wants to reestablish Earth yeah. or reestablish Krypton. So it's really, really clunky, and you could never actually do that as the line. Um, to say, like, you know, your version had its chance. Um, but that's, to me, the meaning that I take from it, is that it's really Superman is just closing the door on the kind of Krypton that Zod wants to reestablish. I think I think Zod got that, because, like, for Zod in his mind, his perspective of Krypton is the only perspective of Krypton. Like, he can't... I don't think he oh. has a possibility of registering any other idea of Krypton. So when Superman says Krypton had his chance, I think Zod is getting that, like... What do you mean? You're telling me my idea of paradise is is wrong? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Like Zod can't think outside of the box, right? Yeah. Like he can't he can't even comprehend a different version of how Krypton might be. Yeah. yeah. But again, this is coming from a society that would go to planets and form them to be like Krypton and not even have. Yeah, which sounds yeah. like a terrible idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, should we should we make the same mistakes? No, Mark, we shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's yeah. I don't think that's an um, option. Uh, when was the first time you saw Man of Steel, Sam? So I saw it opening weekend. Uh, I was you know I've been reading Superman comic books like when I was a kid, and I watched the animated series um, quite a bit. And I considered myself a Superman fan. I liked the original movies just fine. Like I didn't love them, love them, but I liked them fine. So I was there to like see it opening weekend, um, and actually like. I thought it was just okay. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was pretty good. Like, I'm like, I'm op- I'm generally open to alternative versions, and I'm open to, like, creative, you know, 
risks and creative freedom and stuff. So I was like, oh, yeah, that was pretty good. I, I give them credit for, like, trying out a kind of new sort of take on it. Um, but it was not till I rewatched it and, like, started thinking about it and talking to people and then rewatch it again. And just each time I rewatched it, I just uh, liked it more, appreciated it more. I'm still seeing new connections with you guys that I hadn't even seen before. So it's like that kind of movie where my love for it just went up and up and up over like two, three years and it's still continuing. Like, so it's that kind of movie. Um, but yeah, it was, when I first saw it, I thought it was good. Um, I never was against it or bashed it or anything, but I just went from like a 7.5 to now like up to like a 9.5, like closing in towards a movie. That's like one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think this universe has always been fighting an uphill battle. Yeah. Um, As it should. It's just trying to, uh, it's us going into seeing a Superman film and the idea of a Superman film. This is trying to break it. This is a, like, I think you use the term unchained. Like we want to break the chains of a Superman film. And I think this is the start of it. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's interesting. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm on the same, same level as, as Sam here where it's, we're constantly learning new things. Um, God, especially in this week. It's opened my mind up insanely amount. Like, like I was telling Mark the other day that I've been watching Dawn of Justice a lot, a lot, a lot, and that movie is quickly becoming uh, my favorite comic book movie as, you know, almost one of my favorite movies of all time just because of the conflict. But mm-hmm. now I have to go back and rethink it that these two movies work in tandem with each other. You can't have one without mm-hmm. the other, and that's the way I always feel about my two favorite comic book characters, Superman and Batman. So it, it makes mm. sense. Yeah, what's that word you use? Mm-hmm. Dichotomy, Mark. <laughs> Dichotomy. There you go. Um, let's see. Sam, what? Let's see. I'm trying to make sure we're not missing anything. Um, but but I guess if you had to introduce someone to Superman, like what, what would you recommend? So... Ah, uh, there's a lot of good stuff. It would really kind of depend on the age because I have two little boys who are like preschoolers. Um, so I have found like the Lego movies have actually been really good for like preschoolers. Mm-hmm. Um, the the like straight to DVD ones are actually pretty good. Um, but also Superman, the animated series, I think works pretty well for like elementary aged kids or like that kind of age range. Um, but if I was talking to a, like, sophisticated adult uh, who enjoys, like, um, you know, pretty complex movies or, like, movies that don't have to be happy all the time, but movies that can actually be serious and, like, end in controversial ways or whatever, um, I would actually use Man of Steel as, like, this is a really interesting exploration of a character that gives you a lot to think about, a lot to, lot to talk about and stuff. Um, in terms of comic books... Um, yeah, there's quite a bit of good stuff. I would probably, if I was introducing them to it, I think I would use um, Jeff Johns, like the Secret Origin one. Oh, yeah. I think like, okay. that's, like, you know, it's, again, if, if it was a first introduction, mm-hmm. I think that one is kind of a nice, easy way into it, and it brings up some good stuff. It has some nice moments. It has um, interesting artwork that goes along with the storytelling and stuff. Um, so that's probably the one I would use as, like, a, a comic book for somebody for a first story. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's a new one. We haven't gotten anybody to say that one yet. Well, I don't think anyone else has recommended Man of Steel as being an introduction, which to yeah. me it is. Yeah, yeah, you, I, you and I are both on that page. Yeah. If I was interested, I'd be like, go, Man of Steel, go watch it. Yeah. Um, thoughts on the DC Cinematic Universe? Uh, 
I love it. Like I'm having such a good time. Um, the main trick is to just find positive spaces and like, you know, for me, I'm not really sure why people spend so much energy on something that they don't like. Like it's just a form of entertainment. It's just stories being told. If you don't like them, it seems like people should have better uses of their time. <laughs> so, um, but like with with you guys or like with some community or the community that we have with the Justice League Universe podcast, um, we kind of have just found people who like talking about this stuff, who like digging into it, you know, um, really want to analyze and get into the details. And finding that community has made me enjoy the cinematic universe even more. And I just have to make sure to avoid certain areas of the internet because it's not really worth my time to have somebody who is just like going off on a fictional story Absolutely. about you know some characters. Um, but no, I, I love it so far. Um, Suicide Squad I thought was okay, but um, it wasn't as good as I had hoped that it would be. Um, but I like the characters in Suicide Squad, and so I actually am really excited for like a Suicide Squad sequel that they're kind of putting into production or putting into development. Um, or if David Ayer is like you know going forward with his Gotham City Sirens, I actually think that those movies have a potential to surpass what Suicide Squad did. Um, but then we've already talked about a lot, you know, the the Snyder kind of trilogy that's coming, or like Wonder Woman tying into it, which like Snyder has been very involved in. Um, I just love the movies, not just as superhero movies, but I love them as just movies themselves because mm -hmm. I like I like analyzing character arcs, I like analyzing motifs and themes. And they give me, like, so much to work with that the more I look, the more I see, uh, which is really fun. Uh, 2017, I think, is going to be a pretty good year. That's my feeling for it. Yeah, I agree. Um, the, yeah. yeah, so the Wonder Woman, I also really like just bringing Wonder Woman to the front. And, like, in the marketing for the movie, they have her front and center. It's like they're not, you know making sure to like, well, we need to put some men with this woman to make yeah. sure that men will come and see the movie. They're like, no, this is Wonder Woman's movie. <laughs> she can carry the movie. She's a great character. Um, there's excitement that's been built up about her from Donna Justice. So like, I think it's really great um, to see, you know, a, a female led superhero movie and they are not shying away from the fact that it's a female led superhero movie. And like what I've, when I've heard Patty Jenkins talking about it and how she was, lobbying to do a wonder woman movie for like 10 years she said in that empire um, magazine article all of it's just getting me pretty excited for that movie and i hope that i hope that it's kind of a crowd pleaser because um i do want to like lower the pressure on the dceu a little bit and so if like wonder woman can be a bit of a crowd pleaser or more people get on board with it that will at least uh maybe tamp down some of the hatred or something but I'm just looking forward to it personally. Someone brought up the fact that they're like, oh, this Wonder Woman movie's got a lot riding on it. Like, it needs to bring faith back to the DC Cinematic Universe. And then they also said it also needs to prove that uh, a female, like, fronted superhero film could work. And I was like, whoa, I don't think that should ever come into question. Like, mm -hmm. no one should ever be like, oh, this film's got to prove that these things could work. Because, like, cause that sounds like you're saying that there is no confidence like there shouldn't be this like oh like they got to prove that a female superhero film could work like no it doesn't yeah. like don't say just stuff because like that. yeah just because catwoman was catwoman like does not mean that female superheroes can't movies can't work like yeah don't take one or two like bad movies and just assume that that's the law of the land yeah because if like i said okay so let's say wonder woman wonder woman fails like and it doesn't do well 
that should never like her gender should never come into questioning why the film was bad absolutely like that sh- that sounds mm-hmm. wrong like you should never like, yeah yeah it's just chauvinistic yeah like what you're saying like a woman can't oh, yeah. that you're saying that's the reason why it failed like that sounds yeah like a, like to me that sounds terrible yeah absolutely um, yeah and we've seen that what that was like the studio's mentality though i think in like the 90s and the 2000s like if if something did bomb like Electra or catwoman or whatever they actually did say like oh it's because it was a woman leading the movie which i agree it's like you wouldn't say the same thing about a male lead like if a movie bombs, you don't just say, like, oh, it was because a male was in the lead role. That's why it bombed. Like, no, it probably bombed for a, a variety of other reasons. Yeah, no. exactly. I was thinking that as well. Like, no one says, like, oh, Iron Man 2 was terrible because uh, yeah. cause Tony Stark is, you know, a menace or something. I mean, he's not, but, like, there's, no one's ever putting that into question. Exactly. I'll even take the step forward as to say, uh, why didn't anybody call out George Clooney for being an awful Batman uh, no one ever questioned his acting. No one ever questioned who George Clooney was. In my opinion, I think George Clooney's rendition of that character is at the bottom of the list. He wasn't Batman. He mm-hmm. wasn't Bruce Wayne. He was George Clooney being George yeah. Clooney. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's just not, nobody ever brings that up because mm-hmm. of who he is. And that's just, it's awful in my opinion. There have been so many strong female lead superheroismness, uh, whatever, mostly, uh, in, in so many books and Ridley for so Scott many films. years. Yeah, and Ridley Scott has definitely taken an, uh, a mm-hmm. quite the quite the take on it. But but just judging on books themselves, like female leads have been all over and have been incredible in so mm-hmm. many stories and so many adaptations where it's almost like you can't have the separation between a good male superhero and a good female superhero. They're just good superheroes. Mm-hmm. But they also want, like, they want their women to be, and I love this franchise, but, like, Underworld. They don't, like, they don't, because Wonder Woman's going to be a superhero film that's not, like, Catwoman, where Catwoman was, like, sex appeal and, like, yeah. being a femme fatale. And it's like, no, we don't want that. Like, and that doesn't make a good female movie, like. You're just appealing to men. And, just, yeah, because yeah, that's what's they're gonna say fails. Is that oh, it's her feministic views are like a flaw. Like that should never be someone's opinion. That's, it shouldn't. No, that's, that's mm-hmm. a flawed opinion. And even Suicide Squad, which I said like I thought was okay, but I didn't think it was great. But it was very successful. I mean, it made like almost seven hundred fifty million dollars worldwide. I mean, it's a big hit, and that's without China. And that movie, Harley Quinn was the co lead, and then Amanda Waller was next and Mm -hmm. then uh enchantress was the villain like so three out of the four like deadshot would be the only one that's like uh sort of at the level of those three but three out of the four are women and that movie you know was heading towards 750 million dollars yeah so um you know that to me just shows that yeah uh there it's basically just silly to think about it as oh if the woman's in the lead it's really at risk or maybe it's going to fail or whatever it's like no just focus on the movie make a good movie uh if it fails it's going to be for other reasons not because it had a woman in a lead role absolutely or a female directing it yeah see my opinion i I couldn't oh i was just gonna say i couldn't believe that this was the biggest budget movie that a female director had ever had so like patty jenkins this is like the first time where it's like more than 100 million budget that a female director has that blew my mind that's good um, going back to what you said about the fan service, 
I think that Suicide Squad was the fan service film, and I almost don't want Wonder Woman to be fan service. I want Wonder Woman to be on the same caliber as this Man of Steel that we're getting. I want to go into Wonder Woman. I want to take it home. I want to dissect it and pick apart as much mm-hmm. as I can with Man of Steel, and I don't want that to be like DC's cause for all right, they made a good superhero movie. That's good. That's fan service. Like, no, you had your fan service with the with Suicide Squad, with the team up movie that mm-hmm. you so you know you begged for after Guardians. Like, that's it's said and done mm-hmm. with. Move on. Let's get into the character exposition. Let's let's get into these characters. Yeah, I want this Wonder Woman film to be as well done as the new Fifty Two Brian Azzarello stories mm-hmm. and the. Uh, who wrote Wonder Woman before him during before the New Fifty Two? I can't remember who wrote that. A lot, a lot of people. Um, <laughs> I, uh, even drawn a blank. Even Morrison had a take on it, but you know. No, not Grant Morrison. I can't remember his Doesn't name matter. now. But yeah, I, I I want it to be good, and I don't want it to be fan yeah. servicey at all. Yeah, and just to clarify, um, like. I don't mean that I want it to be fan service or I don't want it to try to be like mass appeal or like, you know, lowest common denominator type thing. I just want it to be well received. So like, so I want Wonder Woman to be the movie that it should be. And that Patty Jenkins like envisions for it and that they're working on. I want it to be that movie with, you know, themes about war and about, you know, like the goodness of mankind or like our, our, our evils or whatever. Um, so stuff to analyze. Um, but then I also hope that the audience just receives it well and like appreciates it for what it is yeah so i want it to, i want it to have a, a positive reception i don't want it to be like pandering to you know try to make it cool and funny or whatever okay well it's like that film is going to be very much like man of steel in a sense that it's like the people who watch it should be saying uh are we wrong are we doing something wrong like because <laughs> wonder woman's supposed to show us that you know the right values and whereas human beings are supposed to be like maybe we're not being as good as we're supposed to be yeah i think it's going to play in i think the the two movies and the two stories are going to correlate to me that's what will make it a successful film is you leaving the movie theater going like wow i feel uh inspired Mm -hmm. to to be a good Mm -hmm. person absolutely um yeah that's all i got yeah i'm I'm good with that I also want to see that lasso glowing and like it, it, it looks like they have a cool style to the way they're doing the action. I really look forward to seeing that too. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, she's definitely one of the better fighters out of the entire league. So she has to be. Yeah, especially with the introduction of a certain Wonder Woman villain in the film. Yeah, <laughs> it has to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I'm excited to see it, and I'm excited to see the the time the the time that they're in the World War and whatnot mm-hmm. i have a lot of faith in this film i yeah. the, to me i say this a lot i'm sorry this is the film i'm more i'm most excited for out of the four between man of steel batman or donna justice mm-hmm. justice league like wonder woman has been the film i've been highly anticipated for so mm. yeah good deal awesome cool thank you sam so much for joining us this week on our adventure um mm-hmm. happy to be here yeah uh if you love what you hear guys please check out sam on his podcast the justice league universe podcast uh don't forget to rate subscribe do all that jazz you can follow us on all social media at dceu minute and we'll catch you guys tomorrow here on dc cinematic minute